Welcome back, everybody. Today on the show, Mikey Tableman. Mikey Tableman, businessman, entrepreneur, poet, and mental health activist. Uh, Mikey Tableman on the strong belief in the importance of investing in yourself. And through a long journey of self-reflection and meditation, created a mind's pursuit to challenge the conversation surrounding mental health and eliminate the stigma, which I think is one of the reasons that, uh, what do you call it? Mental health has uh, continued to be, uh, it's gotten better, but it's still lagging behind. Uh, one of the things that we're gonna be talking about today is normalizing the talk around getting help. Uh, there is this thing inherently human that we don't wanna ask for help uh, the other thing that we're going to talk about today, and this is something I'm excited about, is men should be comfortable talking about their emotional issues. And uh, for most guys, that's extremely, extremely difficult. And then last but not least, we're going to be talking about finding a support system uh, for you and your loved ones. Uh, with that, Mikey, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. You bet. All right. So. Give us your background story. How did you get into this uh, mental health advocacy and, and, and how did you create a mind's pursuit? So getting into the mental health advocacy was always something I've always wanted to do. Um, I'm somebody who's been suffering with my mental health since early on as a child. I deal with a manic bipolar disorder, anxiety, depression, ADHD. So it's something that's always been part of my life for quite a long time. Um, but growing up, you know, you weren't really supposed to talk about it. You were supposed to keep everything yourself as a man, suck it up, keep it down. And I also think, you know, when when this started to become more in the forefront of society, society wasn't ready to really accept it. Um, I love my, I love where I'm born and raised, come from Queens, New York. But where I grew up, that's not something people talk about. So I really had to put on a, a face for quite a long time. Um, the other aspect of it was I was trying to do the whole acting thing. And I was also, because I was doing the acting thing, I was in hospitality being a bartender. Both aspects of your life in hospitality and entertainment, because honestly, it's all hospitality, let's be real. You have to be happy all the time. You can't let people see the emotions that you're wearing. Um, hospitality, you have to serve the customer. Entertainment, you have to make the customer happy. You have to give them the feels. So that was something I've always dealt with. So then I moved out to LA when I was 23 years old. It's been about 10 years now. Um, I became very embedded in the nightlife scene. My acting career started to take off a little bit. And the struggle just became more and more. Um, when you move to a new city, when you don't know anybody, I've never been to California and I picked up and moved. So that stress level alone was massive. Um, then get into all of a sudden... I have this major responsibility heading up VIP services for some of the biggest festivals and nightclubs in the world. And then that starts to take the toll on you. Then add in toxic relationships, drugs, parties. It was a really downward slope until I got to a point where I tried to take my own life in 2018. Um, and then that's when everything kind of switched and I realized what I needed to do in my life. And then during the pandemic, when I actually got some time to sit with myself and really think about what I want to do with my life is how I came up with the Minds Pursuit um, and the entire brand that goes with it. Yeah, that's, that's extraordinary. Uh, you know, I'm a big believer that the profit, if you will, 
is in the problems, right? Because as entrepreneurs, that's all we're doing is we're solving problems. <clears throat> and uh, I think there's, uh, uh, what do you call it? When, it, when, it, when you come from that background, it's, it's a personal thing, then that makes it even more special, right? Um, you know, it's one thing to, I don't know, like Elon Musk, he solved uh, the, the electric vehicle problem for lack of better terms. Yep. But uh, you're coming from a personal uh, problem solving perspective. I think it makes it, you know, the, the passion is, is, is yeah. already high and it's personal. And, and so that makes it uh, even better. All right. So, um, you know, something else listening to your story, especially when you're doing the nightlife thing is the weird sleep, which I think is also creates mental issues, right? Because if you're going to bed at two or three o'clock in the morning, and then you're waking up, you know, whatever your, your, your normal sleep rhythm is off. And I think that causes problems. What's your take on that? So definitely. Um, I think that happened to me more when I got on the festival circuit where I was traveling to different cities, different time zones, um, doing festivals during the day, then the next one during the week, when it came to the actual nightlife portion of it, um, yeah, it's, you're on it, you know, you're sleeping during the day more, but you're still on a set schedule. Um, so I, you know, I think there's a stigma that surrounds the nightlife industry where it's like, you know, all all we do is party all night. It's like, no, I'm working all night while you're sleeping. So we get the same six hours, but if I happen to get it from 6am to 12 noon and you happen to get it from two from, from, you know, from midnight to 6am, I'm still getting shit done. I'm still working. I'm still being creative and productive. So like that was always an issue and everybody in nightlife will tell you the same thing it's like yo man i'm just like you are just because i do it on a different schedule what's the difference between me and somebody working a night job in a factory right well there is no difference but it, no again, difference. i mean there's you know what it, 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 the only time it becomes an issue is when you can't get those six or seven hours of sleep which sometimes is difficult if you have if you're living with other people and their schedule is, you know, nine to five job or eight to five yeah. job and, and they wake you up or, you know, uh, I know a lot of people who work crazy hours, but they don't take the time to uh, set up their environment. In other words, they, uh, they, they may not wear earplugs and it gets noisier once, you know, eight or nine o'clock in the morning comes around, people start mowing lawns and stuff like that. Right. So that's what, that, so, so I think it can affect you if you're not prepared for oh. it, but you're right you know, six but, or seven hours of sleep is good whenever you get it. But uh, no, I, but absolutely. And what you're saying is like, so like I said, when I got into the festival circuit now where you're on the go, you're eating where you can, you're sleeping where you can, you're working 16 to 18 hour job, uh, 18 hour days. I mean, I think that the, the big stigma that surrounds the nightlife industry is that like, oh, your, your life is awesome. You, you travel the world and you party. I'm like, you're just seeing the 35 seconds of the clip I put up on social media, but you're not seeing the full mental breakdown that I'm having behind the scenes. Right. Like, and they, they don't I, see the 18 hours prior to no, the 30 seconds. <laughs> no, man, you, you, you see the highlight reel. You're not seeing like the amount of stress and anxiety that I'm having. Like right. you're not catching it. But, but I think the biggest thing is like, when it comes to things like this and that, you know, even being an entrepreneur is never the goal. Um, it just kind of happened that way. But even in the entrepreneur lifestyle, we were never taught self-care like coming up. I mean, I still know the fucking Pythagorean theorem and 3.14, but nobody taught me how to deal with what's going on in my mind. Nobody right. taught me the proper concepts of rest 
physically, mentally, emotionally, how to recharge. Like we live in this society where rest is considered a reward, which is, that's not how this works. Like, (laughs) why are we so skewed and fucked up in these beliefs and these thoughts? Like, this is all these things that I want to change in this stigma. Like, no, rest is necessary. We're not supposed to be working like this. Right, right. This does not help. Like, this is not how this works. We're in this fucking rat race that keeps on continuing. Well, and I think what's making it worse, now we have this wave of everybody and their dog has an energy drink. Mm -hmm. And so not only are you weak (sighs) if you're not working 50, 60, 100 hours a week, right? But, you know, sleep is for the, again, sleep is for the weak. Sleep is for children. If you're a real man, if you're a real entrepreneur... (laughs) You're, you're, you're going to, yeah, at four, like, fuck right. out of here. <laughs> and, 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 you know, that's, that's what energy drinks are for. You have three or four of those a day. No, like that's the thing is people think that like the energy drink actually gives you energy. It, it doesn't give you energy. It tricks you into thinking by, by taking whatever is in that energy drink, which blocks the receptors for you to feel tired. Right. Right. So it's not actually doing anything. It's not in it, the fresh. And the worst part is. Speaking of Hollywood, you see a lot of energy drinks in these movies mm-hmm. and you see like the protagonist who will be, you know, chugging on these energy drinks and, you know, and, and he or she is the hero and they're so super cool. Just like, you know, back in the 50s and 60s, it was all about the smoking and now it's all about the energy drinks and it's like, oh, we're going to kill ourselves slowly but surely. And, and every now and then you hear about somebody who overdoses on a Red Bull or some other kind of energy drink where uh, it'll be a young person who who uh, had three or four Red Bulls in a, you know, whatever, two or three hour period. And, you know, they 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 just drop dead oh, from yeah. all the different crud in, the, in that drink or and and, and so, uh, yeah, I think it's just it's just not good. Or, or, or you take it to the next level where you have energy drinks mixed with alcohol. Yes, of course. Because, you know, you worked eight, you worked 16 hours that day, but you still got to be social and in the limelight and you can't miss out. So right. what do you do to get through the night to continue going? But you want to get fucked up in the process. Right, right. I want to be I want to be awake and numb. I mean, that's what cocaine's for. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about this, because uh, I think this is something that real men do. But it takes a while to get there. And so I want to talk about men being open about mental health. I mean, as you mentioned, you come from uh, Queens uh, and, uh, you know, it's just a it's just a thing that as men, we don't talk about our feelings. And of course, uh, I believe that real men do talk about their feelings, but that's usually those guys are much older. And so we need to change how men uh talk about their feelings and I want to get your I want to get your take on this We're, how are we going to get guys talking about their feelings talking about mental health so I mean a lot of ways that I do it first thing going back to what you said I think the concept of a real man um that needs to kind of get washed away because what's the concept that like who who made this definition of what a real man actually is like it's an objective thing. It's going to continue to change and evolve over time. That's how this works. Right. Um, but coming, so the way that we do it at a mind's pursuit is um, 
uh, I'm on multiple fronts. Um, so the first one is, is I have an event series called the alchemy, which we bring out and we curate an entire um, event space. And it is a place for artists to come and share their, their struggle stories. Um, so we create this whole kind of concept and this whole judgment free zone where it's come as you are, come authentic, come real. And we set up that vibe and people who get everybody who gets on stage and performs gives a backstory on something that has really affected their mental health. And most of the songs or poems come from that dark place and explain a little bit on it. So we create, we create a setting that shows you can be open, you can be honest, you can be vulnerable, and people are going to accept you. Um, I have a podcast called Chaos Control where we talk about the mental toll that the nightlife has taken. And I've loved doing this show. It's been amazing. We're on hiatus right now, coming up with season two. Um, but everybody who sat across the chair for me, I've produced around 38 episodes that have been out. Um, half of them have been male. Some of them have been my best friends. And I didn't realize that they were struggling until we had some of these comments. Like, yo, I was with you during those times. Like, I didn't know you were going through that shit. It's like, well, we never talked about it. So I think it's a lot of creating space, but also I'm very, you got to lead by example, right? So I'm very open about everything I've been through because I've been through it for a reason. And right. if I can't talk about it, then, you know, what can't help anybody. So I think, you know, every man being open and taking the initial step. Um, there's also, I have another reoccurring show, which goes back and forth just because of how busy, busy I currently am. Um, it's on the Fireside app with Fallon Fatelli and Mark Cuban. Shout out to them. They're doing an incredible job with this app. Um, but I have a show on there called Conversations with the Boys. And it's me and my four best guy friends who I could not be more grateful for in this lifetime. We set that standard of very open. We call each other out. We've all cried in front of each other. We express deeply. We all check in with each other. So it's us having this open forum conversation on what we feel being men and having a, a male support system is like. And the really cool part is we get a ton of people who will listen in and just compliment like, yo, this is really awesome to see. I have kids around your guys' age because we're all in our early 30s that I would love to see them doing like that. But then a lot of people have been like, hey, I'm not really ready to talk about it. But just hearing you guys talk about it, I don't feel as much alone. And then they'll work their way into the conversation. So just creating more spaces and honestly, just me being out there telling more of my story, um, it, it's how we want to continue to move this process along. Like when coming into a mind's pursuit, there was a lot of conversation as to how we move forward, how we brand it. And then it's like, no, I got to be the front facing of it because I'm so willing to talk about this and want to talk about this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and what's interesting is this goes across all, uh, what do you call it, uh, ages and races. It, it is some inherent guy thing. You know, every now and then in our church group, it never fails when we, it'll, it'll just be us guys in, in this church group. And when it starts getting super serious, when we start getting into a deep discussion which ultimately has to deal with how we feel sooner or later, some guys, typically a younger guy will make some kind of joke to break, to break the mood mm -hmm. because we're uncomfortable talking about our feelings. And there's, <laughs> and so, you know, they'll say something funny and it's just to break, you know, we call it to, to, to not to feel so uncomfortable. And so uh, not too long ago, I just called him out on it in a very nice way. And I just said, I didn't call out that person. I said, hey, guys, we don't have to make a joke. We can just feel the feelings. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. And so it's very important. It's super important. And, and then uh, one of my guests, um, 
uh, is a uh, former MMA champion, Randy Couture. And I asked him, what it, oh. what's that? I said, I know Randy Couture. Yep. Okay. So I asked him, hey, Randy, what's a real man? And, uh, you know, and, and it was a great uh, answer, but he definitely said, hey, a real man is not afraid to share his feelings. And he, a real man is not afraid to cry. And this guy's pretty tough. Not only is he, is he an MMA champion, but he's retired army sergeant. Uh, but, you know, Randy, like you, he does poetry. He uh, plays uh, multiple uh, instruments. He sings. But people just know him for being this tough guy because that's what he's, you know, that's what he normally plays is some version of a tough guy. I mean, I think people view the external too much. Um in society, I mean, let's be real, we all wear a face. Um, yes. What I do in the nightlife industry, in the festival industry, I can't be honest as to, you know, real, for a long time, I couldn't really be on. Now I'm able to cross it over, but you have to put on the face to everybody. But we look so much on the external. It's like, you really need to look into some, I think if what we need to do is be more open as a society, because the external doesn't matter. Like you said, Randy Couture is this tough guy. When people look at me and they're like, oh, you're this badass nightlife person. And it's like, and when you get to really know me, I am nothing of the sort. It's like, start looking at people's hearts and souls instead of what they look like on the outside and what you see them do, because that's only a portion of their life. Yes. Well, and I think since you said that, it reminds me of when, let's say a successful businessman, uh, this is typically, uh, you know, uh, where this is coming from. You'll see this in the news and, and, and uh, you'll hear, you know, this, let's say this businessman will be caught doing, I don't know, so, something uh, behind his back's wife. Uh, you know, he's got multiple girlfriends behind his back's wife. And, 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 and usually the comment from a lot of people is, well, that's what the rich do. Well, he can get away with it because, you know, he's rich or because he's so-and-so or he's reached a certain level of success. And to your point, I think that's a bad a bad excuse. You got to look at people's heart. And if they're willing to cheat on their wife and they're willing to cheat on their family and do all that other stuff, then they I think that says it all. Internally. Yeah. Like, you can't be that successful. If, you know, if, if you, <laughs> I mean, look, look again, let, let's strip all the externals, right? When it comes down to the end of the day, we're all human beings. Yes. There is not one person better than another, just because you have more money or you have more cars. Or you, it doesn't fucking matter. Right. We're all human beings. And I think we've lost sight of that. Yes. Like there's no empathy anymore. The kindness has gone out the window. It's, oh, I make this much. I'm this person in society. I'm better than you. Hey. Right. Sorry? No, no, no. And, and I think that one of the mistakes that, again, this is a human condition is that a lot of people are looking outside of themselves for leadership mm -hmm. and they will follow people because they're looking for that leadership instead of, <laughs> instead of, like you said, looking at your, at your heart, right. And, and what's going on. And so I think that's important. And we've lost sight of that. Hey, I want to talk about this and, and I want to get your thoughts on normalizing the conversation surrounding mental health industry. Let's talk about this. Cause again, I think mental health is, is, moved forward tremendously in the last 10 years, but it's still a lot of people don't know how to talk about it. They don't know how to ask for help. They, they, there's still a stigma attached. So talk about normalizing that conversation. 
I mean, I, I think it's a huge work in progress. Um, you know, I've, I've had people like blatantly been like, yo, like, what are you doing with your whole thing? Do you really think you can change the world? I'm like, you know, I mean, it takes a large group of individuals to change the world. I believe that I have things to say and I've been through it that might spark the next great mind to do something long after I'm gone. Um, but I think it's going to be a process. Um, but a lot of these come like mental health is right now a PR fad because we just went through the pandemic because the numbers are rising, but we're still not talking about the nitty gritty of it. We're talking about the overlying aspect. Oh yeah. People are suffering. Oh yeah. People are having anxiety, but are you really getting into the why or what's going on during that anxiety attack or during that depression or really trying to understand why and where it's coming from? We're so quick to just medicate. Like any psychiatrist I've ever talked to within the first 10 minutes, like, oh, we should put you on this medication. It's like, you barely know what the fuck is going on with me right now. But it's a, it's a billion dollar a year industry. So it's like, okay, well, do we really want, like do, and I'm not one of these conspiracy theorists, even though I love reading them sometimes because they're fucking fascinating. I'm like, you guys should be writing for Hollywood. Right. Um, but it's like, how much of it does society or does the people in control really want to change it? Right. Well, you know what? And I think there's two sides of that coin. First of all, doctors have been trained to medicate. Right. So mm -hmm. let me just give you a pill. And consumers have also accepted that as the norm. I mean, if, if consumers started saying, hey, I don't want to take a pill. I want to get better. Then that would ultimately change the prescription market. But yeah. You know, first of all, most people are too busy. Uh, they don't want to do the, the work necessary to get better. So, yeah, I'll medicate. Well, I mean, I don't think it's not. I think people are more willing to do the work now. But like you said, it's the timing. How are you supposed to do the self-work when you're barely struggling to pay bills? Yes. Like, how are you supposed like you you mentally can't take on more. You already feel like your life's falling apart and you're scrambling. And then you want to open the Pandora's box of what's inside of you. Like, don't get me wrong. I love the fact that I really work hard on myself. But there's been times where I'm like, I wish I was oblivious to my shit because this fucking sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Like people don't realize, you know, when you really dive in, it, it it's layered. So once you get through one thing, you're like, oh, I feel great. And then something else opens up and you're like, fuck, <laughs> now we got to work on that. Like, dude, I, I literally, I was just at, um, I did the Hoffman Institute uh, okay. about a month ago. One of the greatest experiences of my life. It was an incredible, incredible retreat. And I got to a lot of reasons of why I tick and why I'm triggered and the things that, you know, going back to my parents, going back to my childhood, the things that I was very afraid to tap into, but doing it in a um, secure setting was a big difference. We went off the grid. I was off the grid for 10 days, no cell phones, no contact to the outside world, 30 people and a couple of instructors and therapists. And it was incredible. But now coming back into society, trying to maintain that, but then also being like, oh, okay, I now understand why I act like this in relationships. Now it's like, oh, shit. Okay, but now what do I do in an actual relationship? Because the ways I was doing things didn't work. Now this is a, Now I have a different trigger and a different pattern to break down. Fuck, now I'm starting all over again. Right. Now it's like I'm going on my first date for the first time ever. And it's just like, man, this, this is daunting. But yes. 
it's worth it because I'm so aware of what I'm doing and I'm able to really see it and look at things from a different perspective. Like now that I can look at things from instead of that tunnel vision you have when you're so embedded in your anxiety and your depression, I can see the world from, you know, 3000 feet in the air type view and really understand why and see how my actions here, where they came from and now what they will do and what I can make happen later on if I take a different. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, uh, Real quick, if somebody wanted to find out more about the a Minds Pursuit, what's the website? Uh, it's amindspursuit.com. Amindspursuit.com. And then your podcast is? Chaos Controlled. Chaos Controlled? Chaos Controlled. Yeah, it's on Sp uh, Spotify, Spotify, Apple, everything along those lines. Yeah, I mean, because in the nightlife world, we, we op I'm comfortable in the chaos. I'm great in chaos. Something turns on and ready to go. Um, and then all of my socials accounts uh, at Mikey Tableman, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, everything along those lines. I'm always spewing some sort of mental health information or advocations. And I'm also very real about what I go through um, because I think, you know, me showing it um, as going through like, a, I'm currently going through a manic bipolar um, episode on a depression spell where it's very hard for me to get out of bed most days, but you wouldn't know that sitting on the, sitting on the other side of it right now. Right, right. I'm high functioning. <laughs> just, well yeah. you know what and, and one of the things that can save us because i've been there as well where i just like you know i will call my admin and tell her cancel my appointments for the day i'm just going to stay in bed yeah and one of the things that is helpful is when you have an appointment that you don't want to cancel or you, you know, maybe for whatever reason, any reason at all to get out of bed is a step forward, whether it's doing a, this or some other show or a friend comes over and pushes you off the bed, whatever it takes. But sometimes just getting out of bed is an accomplishment that should not be, uh, what do you call it? Uh, belittled. It's a, it's a huge accomplishment. And then like... I think people, you don't need to, society has this concept. We have to be so productive 24 seven. It's like, did you get out of bed today? Did you take a shower? Yo, great. Baby steps, little wins. Like, yo, sometimes you just don't have the energy. It, it's really okay. And when you don't have the energy, sometimes it's your body telling you, yo, you need a break. Yes. Yes. You know, one of the things that I think is going to be very helpful, taking a mental day is starting <laughs> to become a thing. Yep. And I honestly believe that we should have not a 40 hour work week, but a four day work week, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. I think that people need a three day weekend, especially, especially if you do have mental health issues, especially if you are a family person, right? So if you're working whatever, 30, 40 hours a week, but now you have Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or whatever the three days are to recover. You have a whole day. You know, typically we'll spend a whole day running errands, doing, mm -hmm. going to the grocery store, taking care of whatever we need to take care of, maybe visiting a doctor. And then, you know, now your Saturday's shot. And then, you know, you only have Sunday. And a lot of people have anxiety. Okay, Monday's right around the corner and I haven't really covered yet. So we need Friday to run our errands and get crap done. We need Saturday as a complete decompression recovery day. Sunday, we start easing back into it. I think a three-day weekend's got to be the standard. Yeah. And I think everybody needs to take some time for personal time. Like you said, if it's yeah. just the weekend, if, if, you're, if you're a family man, you have three kids, you don't get any alone time. 
right to decompress and really dive into your thoughts and you know really break down what's going on and give yourself time to breathe right so like god this idea that you took 10 days off (laughs) no cell phone i guarantee you there's people listening to this going what the flip i couldn't take 10 days without a cell phone without internet i mean actually the hardest thing for me was 10 days with no weed (laughs) That was the tougher part, to be honest with you. Um, But no, I mean, like, so there was 30 of us in in this retreat and everybody was struggling with it the first day. Right. But after that, once you start diving into the work, yo, man, it was awesome. Like I've, I felt so, I felt so calm and present. And just, even when I got my phone back for the first day, I was like, I don't even want to fucking look at this. Right. And then, but then when you start looking at it and you're like, fuck, I got emails. Let me catch up on all my messages. Let me catch up. Like uh, I have so many things going on. I have five different emails that are all fucking out the ying right now. And all these messages I need to get back to. Then you start getting sucked back in and you're like, um, glued to my phone again. Yeah. Everything just went out the window. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, there is a, a great documentary out there. I forgot what it's called, but it talks about how these social media designers slash engineers, you know, they, they figured out ways to keep us glued to the phone, to keep us glued to social media. One of the guys uh, is the creator or the inventor of the unlimited scroll, because back in the day, you would scroll and it would come to an end. Now mm-hmm. it scrolls forever. Doom scrolling. You scroll and scroll and you'll never run out of content. Nope. And the, what do you call it? The, the phone, the social media uh, creates a dopamine hit, right? Which we kind of become addicted to it. And, and, you know, I, I remember uh, years ago, uh, somebody talking about this and he suggested that you turn off all notifications. So instead of you reacting to the, to somebody liking or commenting, you can get to that later on when you schedule it. And, and so that's, that was a piece of advice that worked for me. I love, you know, so, I mean, I, I don't hear my phone ring. I don't get any notifications. My social media is barely existing, <laughs> but I have, I have a lot of free time. I mean, isn't, but the, the shitty part is, is that on the doom scrolling and the social media, it is now such a massive part. Like yeah. I hate it. I hate doing content. I hate talking into the phone. I hate having to be like, oh, did you upload these? Did you put four of it? Like, but it's such a major part yeah. of a lifestyle now, especially in entertainment and especially as a brand. And I've, ne- and again, I never saw myself as being the face of a brand or like, no, you are the brand. You are a mind specific. I'm like, that's not what I was going for here. Right. So it's like, my team is like, you always got to be out there. And it's like, I hate doing that. I just... I want to be present. I want to enjoy it. I want to go to somewhere and not have to take videos or talking to something, just get to go to a concert and chill and enjoy. Right. Just taking the magic. Like we don't do that anymore. Everybody is so on their phones 24 seven. It's gross. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, there's whatever dessert they're having. We get a picture of that. We get a picture of their pet. We get constant. Constant content. Yeah, constant. I was going to say useless content. 
Useless. But we consume it anyway. (laughs) I I hate the food fucking pictures. And not only that, I hate going out with people because like, yo, I'm hungry. I'm fucking hungry. I don't want the food. Like we're all waiting for our food the entire time. When the waiter comes over, you get excited. Now it gets down and I got to wait 10 minutes for you to take all these different type of pictures before I can eat my food. Fuck that. Nope. (laughs) Sorry. I'm. Uh, don't no, care. I agree. I agree. It's terrible. It's terrible. All right. Listen, we're out of time. I want to thank you so much for stopping by it, real quick. It's called a mindspursuit.com. Check it out. A mindspursuit.com. Mikey, Ta- Mikey Tableman. Thank you so much for stopping by today. Thank you so much for having me.